Welcome to another episode with Coach Kathy. Today, I have the pleasure and the honor of talking with Dr. Rani Tao, my family physician. I have referred to her often in many of my podcasts and different episodes with regards to how she went about diagnosing me. And I consider her my angel that kind of <laughs> lifted the, the, the blinds and gave me the glasses to see clearly that, oh my God, this is what it's all about. So without further ado, thank you, Dr. Tao, for accepting my invitation and being on the show today. No problem. Thank you, Kathy, for having me. Yeah, you bet. So I'm going to pick your brain. I shared on Instagram that I was going to ask you some questions and, and people were like, yeah, ask her this, ask her that. So <laughs> I'm going to have some questions that are for me and some for my followers. Great. Just to start though, I want to bring us back to the, the point where, where you and I met, which I think mm -hmm. now four years ago, I had moved across country in Canada and uh, came to you with a belly and I was pregnant. and. and <laughs> We went through all of that. And after pregnancy, I, my baby was about five months old when I went back to work. Mm -hmm. And it was quite a challenging work. So I started seeing you more often. I feel like mm -hmm. I was in your office almost like every other week with something mm -hmm. or another. Mm -hmm. So I remember a few times you had mentioned, maybe consider stress leave. I'm like, I can't. I just started this job. There was so much going on, so much overwhelm so many things with my little baby. Mm -hmm. I remember the first couple of times when you mentioned, here's an assessment, Kathy. Do you want to kind of answer these questions about ADHD? Have you mm -hmm. thought about that? Have you considered? And my response to you, the naive that I was at the time or uneducated was, I don't have ADD. What are you talking about? I'm not hyper. Mm -hmm. I'm always fatigued, doctor. I'm always tired. Mm -hmm. um, so what were the signs that indicated to you that, oh, this may be indications of ADHD in Kathy? Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good question. I remember that, Kathy, that I think it was in the beginning of 2018 that I started seeing you quite a bit. And you had come to me with, you know, there were some stressors that was home-related. Of course, having a new baby is very stressful. And you had quite a bit of anxiety at that time as well. And I do notice you mentioning to me, I remember you saying, like, concentration has been a huge issue and you had mentioned something like you, you can't really finish anything that you started. And that had been going on since childhood. So it wasn't actually something new to you. So that's when it really triggered something in me to really look into ADHD for you and whether you have this diagnosis, because we know that it is a diagnosis that is often missed in childhood. So in you, the other thing I wanted to mention is when I see a lot of patients with anxiety and other mood disorders, I do often screen them for ADHD because oftentimes anxiety can go hand in hand with ADHD. We don't think it, we don't know if it's a causal relationship, but it's definitely there's an association between the two. So I often do end up screening um, for ADHD when I see people with mood, mood disorders coming to my clinic. So that was why I offered the screening for you at that time. Mm -hmm. And by the third time when I said, okay, fine, give me the assessment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and those questions, it was such a simple questionnaire, but it was so eye-opening. I remember though, as I was going through them towards the end, it was, you know, interrupts all the time. 
Mm-hmm. You know, all over the place all the time. And that interruption mm-hmm. really had been bugging me at work because in the executive offices, I kept interrupting left and right because I, I just I had memory issues. I remember the memory mm-hmm. issue too was mm-hmm. a big one at the time. Yes. And yes. you know, it, it's interesting too, because that was such a fine point around, is it postpartum because you just had a baby, mm-hmm. right? Because there could mm-hmm. be that too. Yeah. Or, and I love how you just said it's, you paid attention to the fact that I was telling you, I do this, I've done this all my life or mm-hmm. the, the, the history that went behind it as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That scale that we did that you mentioned there. So that's called mm-hmm. the ASRS. So that's the adult ADHD self-report scale. It's one of the easiest scales um, we can administer in an office setting. It doesn't take too much time. And I do often find if somebody does have ADHD, when they go over that scale, they are really, they say to me, oh, this is exactly me. So they go Mm -hmm. down the list and it's a list of questions that touches on symptoms of hyperactivity and symptoms of impulsivity and inattention. So those, mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, like, you know, when we think of children with ADHD, I often see boys with the more hyperactivity symptoms and girls with the more inattentive symptoms. Yes. And so I find like many girls and young girls and women go undiagnosed because they just fly under the radar. They become the daydreamers in their classrooms. And, you know, they often still perform pretty well when the demands are low, but it's more mm-hmm. when they enter the workforce or they enter relationships, um, we start to see those impairments in, in the two settings. At yeah, work and for and at me, home. was yeah. having the baby that just kind of tipped me over. Yes. I was in a high-functioning, high, fast-paced work environment, got married, all of that stuff, moved across country, and then the baby came and it was just like, oh my God, now I can't do anything. It just mm-hmm. stopped, full stop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell me about... The diagnosis. So for me, that was enough because I know myself enough. I've done so much personal development throughout mm-hmm. the years that yeah. when I saw that, I was like, okay, that makes complete sense because I'm fully mm-hmm. self-aware. What are the benefits of going beyond that ASRS, which I will put a link to our show notes here, mm-hmm. um, to get a full-blown diagnosis? What comes out of that? So... I, I do think it's very worthwhile to get a ADHD diagnosis from your physician if you are really feeling like you have all the symptoms. And the reason is that we have very good treatment for it. Mm-hmm. We have very good pharmacological treatment and non-pharmacological treatment. And then so medications-wise, you of course, you, you can only get that from a physician. And so I do think getting diagnosed by your physician can really lead you down the treatment road a lot sooner. And that can really bring about more positive functional change that you'll see in your home, in your relationships, and in your work. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about medication. Because I know previously, years before this, I was diagnosed Mm -hmm. with with mild depression. And they had Mm -hmm. antidepressants, which did Mm -hmm. nothing for me because really it was my ADHD. So I was a little bit hesitant and I love the way we took the approach of the way we went through the medication with me. What are your, what is usually your go-to way of doing the medication with your uh, patients? Mm-hmm. So if my patients are open to medication and that during an interview, like once I diagnose them with ADHD, I do encourage them to try the medication. And the reason being that this class of ADHD medication, it's very effective. So I would say that for every 
uh, for every two people we treat, one person will experience benefit quite quickly. So it can, it can be within days yeah, that they right. see a benefit Yeah, in their concentration, in their memory and attention span. So medications have come a long way. And I would say that our main state treatment are still the class of psychostimulants. And there are two classes for that. And there's a handful of medication. I would say five to six quite common ones that we we tend to try. And for each person, it may be a different one that's most suitable for them. So my strategy of trying medication is I select one that often works in my patients and I go from the lowest dose. Mm-hmm. So from the lowest dose, and I have very close follow-up with them. So you start the medication first thing in the morning because of the long duration of action, it, it can affect your sleep. So you want to start it quite early in the morning. And because it's a low dose, most of my patients can tolerate it quite well. And then typically after three to four days, I'll reassess their ADHD symptoms. Oftentimes, we will use that ASRS scale again to see where they Mm. score. And if there is some improvement and they're tolerating the medication well, but the improvement is not yet optimal, then we go up to the next dose. So where we usually get to is the lowest effective dose for the individual. And that can, that dose can look quite different. Yeah. I remember with mine, we tried three different types and finally the third one worked. And even on the third one, we went really low and then Mm -hmm. we went back up and now Mm -hmm. I'm at Mm -hmm. a point of, and, and just for my audience sake, I, I am back on my medication as of the beginning of COVID. Because for me, it was, okay, this is all coming way too fast at me. And before that, I was kind of, I had shifted my way of living, my healthy eating, my kind of overall holistically managing my ADHD naturally. Mm -hmm. And I feel the medication comes in handy when it's all way too much to just slow down and compartmentalize. I want to ask you then about, in addition to medication, what other things have you seen that works for your patients? There's one particular question I have actually, neurofeedback and all of this biohacking stuff that the people talk about. What are your thoughts on, on that? And I won't hold you to it. I just want to hear your perspective on some of these mm-hmm. alternative ways. Yeah, I think you have asked me that in the past too as a patient. And mm-hmm. I my answer is still similar to, to what I told you last time is that we don't have, I guess we don't have a lot of high quality evidence yet in this area of research. I, I think it's it's going on definitely like all over the world and they are trying to find out if this neurofeedback is going to be helpful. But when we talk about neurofeedback, I I think even attending psychotherapy or counseling or getting a coach, I think all of that can change the ways and optimize the ways we think. And in that, that can also help with ADHD. So I don't think people have to spend thousands of dollars to go and get these these treatments that you may you may read about. And I would still say that the mainstay therapy for ADHD is medication plus counseling. Mm -hmm. Because with ADHD, you know, when we think of how we can work more efficiently, how we can improve our memory, and in addition to that, probably treating some of the concurrent mood disorders, counseling, cognitive behavior therapy, mindfulness, these have so much evidence um, for treatment that I, I would, I really would encourage the listeners to, to pursue these options, um, first. Thank you. What about eating? So for example, I now know a glass of wine 
does not suit me anymore. And if I attempted to drink one, I, I'm like, okay, brace for impact later on. So what about omega oils that I hear and things like that? What are your thoughts on the nutrition side? Mm -hmm. I think nutrition is very important for the brain. Um, the brain is the organ that uses a lot of nutrition, and we want to think about what is healthy food for the brain, right? So I, I would say that the healthy food is similarly to how, what's the healthy food for the heart, and what's the healthy food for people who suffer from um, obesity or diabetes or high cholesterol. It's a very similar a diet that I recommend, which is very rich in fresh vegetables, rich in um, healthy fats. So we're thinking like avocado, nut butters, fish, those are really healthy fats. And those have a ton of omega-3. And we actually think that probably absorbs into the body better. Mm -hmm. We we do want some carbohydrates, but I usually recommend complex carbohydrates because then your body will um, work harder on kind of digesting it and using it for energy. And we want a good, a good proportion of protein as well, because that's when our body can use it to build muscle and our brain can use that as well. So I think I, think I would say a Mediterranean diet is one of the diet that we often recommend for mm -hmm. our patients. And if you look at that Mediterranean diet, they have a lot of omega-3 rich foods. They have, you know, good oils in there and a good amount of protein as well. And they really don't do a lot of, they don't do a lot of red meat. So they limit that to, I would say once to twice a month. Mm -hmm. But majority of what that is, is a lot of fresh vegetables and nuts and healthy fats. And I think that would be a really good healthy diet for, for people with ADHD. Awesome. Thank you for that. So we talked about the, the benefits of, you know, kind of getting to know your brain. What about those that go untreated? What, what are the ramifications of, even if you have the little bit slightest, I think I have this, but I'm not going to do anything about it because this is how I've always been all my life. Mm. What are the mm -hmm. ramifications of that undiagnosed, undiagnosed brain eventually? Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of studies on this and people have looked at children with ADHD that go untreated and what happens to the brain. And there have been what we call functional MRI studies of the brain and to look at the development of the brain of these kids that don't get treatment. And what we see is actually a smaller prefrontal cortex in some of these studies. Mm -hmm. And the prefrontal cortex is um, the part of the brain that's responsible for decision-making and executive function, right? Mm -hmm. So that's our high-level thinking part of the brain. Yeah. So when we don't end up treating um, these kids, they, they may cope fine and they may fly by the radar okay and they'll probably still graduate and may still go to university. But what can happen is when it comes to relationships or you know even driving or more complex tasks, we do notice more issues with impulse control. So that can show mm -hmm. up in adulthood in ways of, you know, they, they might get just a bit more speeding tickets than their peers. They might get into motor vehicle accidents more often. And that has to do with that impulsivity part that went untreated with medication yes. and counseling. Yeah. The other part I see hugely is, is on relationships, right, in adulthood. And it might be like with the partners, they are more they get snappy more often. They have more impulse control issues there. They get into arguments more often. And a lot of people may end, end relationships because of this. When it comes to 
people's careers, we can see that they may have trouble really like finishing what they started. They might have this pattern of starting and quitting jobs more often. Mm -hmm. So we, we can see a lot of, yeah, these symptoms in, in my patients with ADHD that have not um, sought out proper treatment. So I, I do, I do really encourage everybody, like if, if you really think you, if you feel like you have issues with impulse control, with attention, or with feeling restless quite often, to go ahead and do that ASRS scale that Kathy will link, uh, mm -hmm. send a link to. And then if that, if you do screen quite positive on that, and then I encourage you to seek out your healthcare provider to get the definitive diagnosis. The other thing to really remember is this can coexist very commonly with anxiety. So your doctor probably will offer an anxiety and depression screen while you're there as well, because those are something that can be treated as well with psychotherapy and medication if, if needed. Awesome, doctor. You are a wealth of knowledge. And thank you so much for brightening my day and my life <laughs> and kind of, kind of putting me on the right path, which took me through this new journey. <laughs> One last thing before I, I let you go. Mm -hmm. For those who are late in life diagnosed, and I know you're, you're a person of, you know, you're, you're from the heart. So what message do you have for those that, oh my God, like for me, I was like, I was celebrating <laughs> in your office. So you're like, mm -hmm. okay, she's weird. But some of us take that really hard and it's, you know, a lot of emotions. What, what would you say to those that are late in life diagnosed and they get this news and it's like, oh my God, now what? Mm -hmm. I would offer them a lot of hope and a lot of encouragement. And I would say that, yes, this diagnosis came later in your life. But I'm so glad that we were able to diagnose you with it because there's so much good treatments for you. And I have so much hope for you. And I, I really look forward to seeing how your function can, can improve with medical treatment and therapy. And yeah, I, I, I think it's something really to celebrate because um, you will see a huge difference. Um, I really believe that they will see a huge difference once um, they get the right diagnosis and go on treatment for it. So it is never too late. It is never too late. And I think part of our life is about it's about really achieving our fullest potential, right? Mm -hmm. Really recognizing our gifts and, and using that for, for the good of the world. And I really say that genuinely. And so I think as a, as a physician, I want to help my patients to discover that journey and to discover how can they be the best they can be. And to diagnose, you know, to, to help somebody to come to the diagnosis of ADHD and to be able to offer help in that and see how their life can transform for the better. And I, I really think that's been, that's just been so rewarding, like in my career. So yeah, so thank you, awesome. Kathy, for being my thank patient. You. Thank you. It, it's, it's, um, you're a godsend. I, I can never <laughs> talk enough about you. Thank you so much for your time, doctor. I appreciate this. I value your time in the middle of your day. You took with me. I appreciate you. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye.